everybody and welcome once again to another one in our long-running series, over a hundred now, of Financial Wellbeing Podcasts. My name's David Lloyd, I'm your occasionally grumpy, sometimes genial host, and with me I've got probably two of the most important and influential people in the world of financial well-being today. Now, which one of them am I going to ask to introduce themselves first? I think we'll see who dives in quickly. I was going to say, I think you're, I think you're asking, I who are these people? <laughs> I don't think I fit the bill, David. Well, who are you then? Who's this disembodied <laughs> voice that just came in? Uh, I'm Tom Morris. Uh, I'm a director and chartered financial planner over at Ovation Finance in Bristol, who, who helped support this podcast. And I'm currently speaking from my new study that I lovingly painted over the bank holiday weekend. Um, so I don't know what it looks like in the background. Moosehead isn't up yet. Where's the moose? I know. I know. For those who watch on YouTube, I usually have a moose behind me, but I've got to somehow find room for it. But I'm not sure it's going, I'm not sure it's going to get in, Chris, because it, this room is having to double up. as It's a decent enough size room, but it's doubling up as the guest room as well. Um, so whether I'm allowed a moose head hanging around is to be we debated at the moment. Look forward to seeing a guest wandering around in the background. That'll be fun. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm used to seeing your sort of frosted glass window through to your kitchen or wherever in the background. So yeah. I've got a real window now. I've got an actual window into a room where I spend much of my waking hours in. I actually now have sunlight. So I'm hoping I might it might perk up my moods, especially in the morning. Right then. Okay, so that was uh, that was one disembodied voice, and another one just chipped in there. Perhaps you could introduce yourself too. Uh, good morning, everybody. Chris Budd. I wrote the original financial wellbeing book, um, and I, if anybody's for the eight people that watch this on YouTube, um, I've just come back from the Shambhala Festival, which is why I've got a very bright, shiny red nose because <laughs> it was it was quite it was sunny in intervals, not enough to me to think about putting any sun cream on. <laughs> Now, that's interesting because my partner, Gail, plays in a band who played at that festival. I know, we saw the Ambling Band. Although she, she wasn't actually there. She was due to be going, but sadly her mum's not very well at the moment, so she wasn't able to travel. Uh, but it's a small world, isn't it, Chris? It is, it is. And it was a great festival and we had a brilliant time. Some Excellent. very interesting sights. Now, talking about financial well-being books, I believe you've got another one out, Chris. I know uh, the four corners. I've got, I've got, I've got to jump in, and Chris, by all means, carry on afterwards. But straight away, as soon as David said in his Bristolian accent, "You got another one." If anyone <laughs> ever types you into got another it, one, that's right. I hope that reference isn't lost on people. The, the old lady asked about another general election. No, another one. It's my favourite gift. Sorry, carry on, Chris. I had to jump in. <laughs> Uh, I'll, yeah, uh, so the Four Cornerstones of Financial Wellbeing uh, is out now and getting some fantastic reviews from a lovely review from HR Director magazine, which was really, really uh, heartwarming, actually. But also the original Financial Wellbeing book that started all of this off is, is being reissued. So I've just done some edits and updated it and revised it. Uh, and hopefully that'll be coming out in the autumn sometime, a new paperback version of that book as well. I've got a question, Chris. How evergreen have you found that book so how many edits did you feel you had to do great question tom i was a bit scared <laughs> going into it because i've learned so much since writing that book but actually the book 
keeps its elbows in, it stays to its lane or whatever cliche we might use. Um, I, I didn't get too carried away with some of the psychology of it when I first wrote that book. I say got carried away, I didn't know anything about it. So um, so actually, it is very different from the Four Cornerstones. And the edits I made were, there was just a couple of areas I thought, no, nah, that doesn't work anymore. I've learned more about that then. But there were only a few passages like that. And mm. I was able to add a few bits in. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. I was, I was very pleased. Oh, um, hang on a second. What am I saying? No, it was completely different. And anybody who has the first book <laughs> must go out and buy the second book. They're completely different. Oh, God, I'm not very good at this, am I? <laughs> well, I have to say, I've yet to get round to reading the second one because you've yet to send me my free copy. But, I buy it. Um, but the first one was... I know I'm going to say this, aren't I? And the cynical listener will go, oh, yeah, how much are they paying him to say this? But it was a real game changer for me in terms of my appreciation and understanding of, of how, how money works and, and how we can use money to make us feel better, which fundamentally, of course, is what this podcast is all about. I, I'm just going to chip in with a little bit of news of my own, actually, um, which I was recently in um, a short film. It was a student film made by some students at the Boom Satsuma Film School here in Bristol, and it's been hugely successful. And it's called The Bristol Crocodile. Those of you certainly from the Bristol area may remember back in 2014, there were supposed sightings of a crocodile in the River Avon. Now, the, it was never actually found, and the suspicion is it's some big urban myth. But this lovely student called Lucy Rowe decided to write and make a film about it and got me to star in it. Um, so, so the film came out this summer. It's available on YouTube. It's called The Bristol Crocodile. It's only 10 minutes long. And it's very entertaining. It's quite amusing. And I'm in it. So I just thought I'd mention that. Tammy, show notes. Yeah. There you go. Stick it in there. Right, OK. Enough about our personal lives, our house moves, our films, our books. Let's get down to the podcast itself. So, uh, Chris, uh, before we move on to our regular feature more of which in a moment. What are we talking about on today's podcast? Today, David, we're going to look at a topic that has long fascinated me, the subject of permission. Uh, it's had a massive impact on my life when I reflect upon it, and I really enjoyed researching and writing some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about permission, permission to be happy. Permission. Okay, well, that could mean so many different things. I'm looking forward to having a chat about that. But before we do that, we need to come to the crown and glory of this podcast, the reason really that most people tune in. And that is because of the legend that is Titus Tomo, the meanest man in the independent financial world, the man who can save money better than, oh, I don't know, the Bank of England. Somebody who knows <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Apologies for the blasphemy. Uh, he's lovely, but... He's mean. <laughs> and, and so Titus Tombo will be giving another one of his tips at the moment. Um, I've got a little one, actually, which is when I first thought of it, I thought, oh, actually, yeah, this is not a bad um, uh, money-saving tip. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realised that actually it isn't really. But I'll share it with you anyway. So uh, my Titus Tombo tip, or in fact, miserable mean Dave tip, is have a broken shower. Um, so... <laughs> Our, our shower's broken at the moment. We've only got one shower in the house. And sadly, it's, we've got a leak coming through into the kitchen. And we've got a plumber, very good plumber, uh, who will come and fix it for us. But he's on his holidays at the moment. So for a week, we're without a shower. So 
not the end of the world. You know, you can have um, stand-up washes in the sink and we're both members of a health club, so we can go there and get showers. And that made me think, well, think of all the money I'm saving now on hot water. Think of the money I'm saving on shampoo, because if I go and have one at the health club, they've got their own shampoo there. They've got their own soap there. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm saving quite a little bit of money. But then, of course, I started to think it through. And I thought, well, I have to drive to the health club. It's about five, six miles away from the, the petrol expenses. And then I'm thinking, actually, the plumber's going to charge me several hundred pounds to fix my broken shower. So probably I'm not saving that much money in the long run. But in the short term, I'm, I'm, I'm basking in the fact that actually I'm saving a little bit of money on soap. What a tip. What I mean, that's right up there with one of the greatest money-saving tips. <laughs> what I particularly like about that, David, is you've given a really good reason for not being a member of a gym. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm going to the gym a lot more often now, but I just walk in there, have a shower and walk out again. Right, enough of that. Let's go over to the master of meanness himself. Tomo, what have you got for us today? Well... I'm not sure this is something that that uh, many of our listeners could take away with them, but sometimes it's good to share my own story or experience of tightness and saving money. So <laughs> I'll almost start with this isn't saving money, but we 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 were lucky enough to to go for um, well, almost two weeks actually to um, Spain um, a couple of weeks ago with the family. It's, it's summer holidays as, or back end of summer holidays as we're recording this, and we found a fantastic bar. Up in the uh, up in the village, and it was uh, you turn up, you order a beer, and they bring little tapas plates, like really nice little. We had this like little couscous dish. There was another bit of um, I think it was our bondagas, which is a few meatballs and and things. And the children with us, and it was roughly around about their tea time. So, me and my wife Lindsay decided to have a few glasses of 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 wine and beer, and the kids ate for free. So there you go. It was a wonderful evening. <laughs> we we stumbled back back to the apartment rather uh, rather tipsy, and the children were well fed. So yeah, there's my there's my tip. Go find yourself a proper tapas bar. Yeah, what a parenting tip that is as well. At the same time, <laughs> oh god, yeah, don't don't have social services. <laughs> I'm reminded about something I saw. Um, actually, I saw it on Facebook, I think, which is a a way of uh, dining for nothing. You go into a restaurant, they say uh, kids eat free go in and say, I'll have a glass of water and my kid will have a massive pizza and a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, let's move on. Uh, Chris, we were going to talk about permission. Do tell us more. Okay, so I think permission is such an interesting concept. Yeah, now, but didn't we cover something like this in a recent episode? We did. Episode 93, if memory serves me rightly, it was a uh, clinical psychologist, Joy Lear. It was a great chat. Uh, and she talked a lot about how our decisions are so often influenced by others and that we should focus on controlling what we are able to control. This really whetted my appetite. Um, in fact, when I did my coaching uh, qualifications, I'm a, I'm a diploma qualified business coach. And I remember talking to uh, my supervisor, Jan Bowen Nilsson. I asked him about permission and said, you know, is there much about this? He he said that there really isn't very much research on this subject at all. So I've been looking into how and why we seek permission a lot more, especially around money. Now, I've got loads of books on happiness and money behind me, and I've looked through the indexes. I can't find a mention of permission in any of them. So I reckon this is a subject that needs some more explanation. 
Oh, okay then. So I guess we need to be putting a little bit of thought into what the thing that I raised earlier when we, you first mentioned it as a subject, exactly what it is that permission means. So I've been thinking about this and I thought if one person gives another person the right to do something, then that's permission. Then I thought that if this is the case, then one person has to kind of give or grant that permission and the other person has to seek it. Is it, is it a two-way exchange? I think that's a great point. I mean, let's start with that first one. Permission can come from one person and is therefore given to another. So I might give you permission to use my car, for example. That's very kind of you, Chris. Thank you. (laughs) But now that's a simple example because you own the car. You need to give me the keys for me to be able to use it. So that's kind of straightforward. But I presume that the idea of permission that we're talking about here, the, the permission to be happy from the title of the episode, doesn't involve something that's owned. So what is actually being given? Exactly. Straight to the heart of it. I mean, you could say that someone who gives permission must have some sort of authority over you, especially you know, if, it, if it's not a physical thing. For example, I wouldn't dream of arranging to spend a day out watching cricket on a Sunday without first seeking the permission from my wife. Well, very wise. And indeed, I, <laughs> I do a similar thing from my partner and I say, yeah, should we watch football today? And she says no. And I go, okay, fair enough. I have not been given permission. And, uh, and uh, so I, I don't watch it or watch it in another room. <laughs> <laughs> or on your mobile phone when she's not looking. <laughs> That's another podcast entirely. Um, <laughs> yeah, quite. You're, you're, it's just respectful. Yeah? And, and, and my respect and my love for my wife gives her a certain authority, therefore, over me. Mm-hmm. And we see this a lot when we advise couples, and we do advise a lot of couples. Uh, maybe we'll be talking about things that they would like to do. Take, for example, someone who wants to spend some money on a luxury. You know, they may well look over to their partner, you know, see if it's okay, so to speak. You know, is it a waste of money? They're trying to trying to look for some permission that it's okay to spend money on a luxury. You might even say that that permission from the partner means that it's not a waste of money. But this relates to perhaps some bigger ticket items. But then there's the day-to-day that I noticed and I've got a top tip um, for couples make sure each month each of you has a separate amount that you can spend on whatever you like and the other partner it has nothing to do with them and they they can't have any opinion on it it's worked really well for me me and my wife because you know quite frankly she rolls her eyes at my golf addiction and seeing another set of golf balls arrive through the post because yes I lose a lot of golf balls you know, to her, that would feel like a waste of money. Now, she might spend money on other things that I, I don't particularly value, but it's important that that's from my allocated amount that she cannot comment on. But that, in its way, is a permission we give each other each month. Say, go and spend that how you want to spend it. So the permission there is coming from a certain authority that we, that we kind of buy into, so to speak, by getting married. That's the commitment, commitment you make. I told a story with a Dr. Lira um, interview about how I spoke to Vicky in the office and asked what she thought about me going to a four-day week. And I realised afterwards when I thought about it that I was seeking permission, not just from Vicky, but from all the employees. Now, in that instance, the authority Vicky had over me was that I respected her opinion and the authority the employees had over me was that I didn't want to reduce their the morale in the office so very often the person from whom we seek permission doesn't actually know that they're giving permission 
this is what Dr. Lira was talking a, a lot about, um, I think, about how we base our decisions on what other people think, or maybe more to the point, what we think other people would think. Yeah, this is interesting. We, we, me and you had a, a, a WhatsApp exchange a couple of weeks ago, Chris, I don't know if you remember. Um, I was booking some tickets for a, for a conference for the team next year, and we were looking at hotel prices. And it, it was a little bit cheaper to share rooms, but in the back of my mind, I think we're going on a work trip. We're, we know each other through work. We're not, you know, it's not like you're going away with friends. I think it's appropriate that people have their own space to, 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 you know, sleep and not have to share it with a, with a fellow employee. But I was thinking to myself, well, oh, but that costs a little bit more money. And I actually messaged Chris. I said, look, you, you, you were an employer for an awful long time. This is my thinking. Am I, am I, willfully spending more money on this is it appropriate and it was interesting chris said back no tom you know we're, we're a professional outfits appropriate to feel people feel comfortable when they're away on a works on a works conference but it was interesting that afterwards i was looking for permission from somebody who who knew or has been in that situation before that my opinion or view on it wasn't barking mad I, I, it was a sense of permission and it was really interesting chris said too funny you should say that i'm just doing research for the podcast on permission. I don't know if that's a good example, Chris, but but it really yeah. stood out to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, actually, as this is a financial well-being podcast, we should try and relate this to our finances in some way. So um, coming back to your original point, from whom do we seek permission when it comes to money? Hmm. I think it's fair to say those who are, who have a financial advisor, are sometimes seeking it from that advisor. And we get that a lot. It's almost well, giving that permission. Can I just quickly butt in there, Tom? Go You're for it. Absolutely right. So, and, and I'm going to equate that to you and me. You're my financial advisor. I've got my own money uh, stashed away in a pot. But whenever I want to spend some of it, I don't just go, I'm going to spend it, even though it's mine. I always come and ask you first. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a funny one because it's not it's not like we're trying to guard people's money. That's not the point at all. But I think some people are just looking for a sense check. It's a bit like my example I gave to, to a moment ago about that sense check about spending a bit more money on our hotel rooms. Um, you're just looking for somebody to to make sure that what they what you're doing isn't going to adversely affect you know your financial outcomes. But yeah, a good good example. We 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 had a, a client quite a few years ago now who loves their golf and financially they're okay. And they were talking about potentially going on a golf trip or to go watch the Ryder Cup. But there was this this big thing about spending what was a considerable amount of money on on that trip, but it took quite a few conversations and showing that it was going to be financially okay for them to go, do you know what? Hit the button, go on that trip, go and enjoy it. And they did, but it required permission from somebody else for them to let that happen. It's just that's, an example there. Yeah, that's a great example. I think there's also a, a, an element of, of needing information um, added to permission. There's, there's something in there as well that, that maybe we could explore. Um, but I think it's also, there's another aspect to this, which I want to touch on, which is how permission is very closely linked to our self-limiting beliefs. Right, okay, so before we move on, I think I should just recap here for those listeners who haven't heard us talk about self-limiting beliefs before. So we all have beliefs, which come from our experience. I remember, Chris, the important line in the financial well-being book that we were bigging up earlier, that beliefs are not truths. That, 
that that concept was such a step forward for me understanding that things that i believe to be true aren't necessarily true they're just my beliefs exactly. big big uh, issue for me that yeah. and, and if we accept that the things that that i believe are not automatically true then that suggests that some of my beliefs might actually be incorrect but that's okay because we can all have our our own set of beliefs as long as they're not doing anyone any harm however where we have a belief that results in in poor outcomes for ourselves these are called self-limiting beliefs hmm. Hmm. Uh, these are particularly of interest to financial planners um, and when we're doing our doing our day job, we're trying to trying to spot these self limiting beliefs coming out, so we can talk about them and understand if they're having you know, leading to poor poor decisions and poor outcomes for for them. You know, we need to highlight these to the clients so that we can make them aware of this and hopefully lead them lead them in a better direction. Yeah, and could you give us an example of a of a poor financial outcome, Tomo? Um, yeah, I'll, this is one that comes up unfortunately quite often um is around the idea of inheritance you know somebody inherits you know might inherit a, a, a non you know a fairly significant amount of money uh, for them and it could be really quite life-altering it can really lead to some really good financial outcomes for them but sometimes it comes with a with a lot of guilt with a lot of grief attached to it um, so this inability to use it to better themselves because it's off the back of a loved one who's passed away, especially loved ones who've passed away earlier than than one would, you know, traditionally think somebody should pass away. I, I don't know if I've articulated that well enough for the listener, but, I, you know, people who die young and you inherit from them, there's quite a bit that comes with that. So, But it can have an adverse effect on their finances if they don't use that money. You know, that person's left them some funds. So if they're not using it properly because they feel guilty about even thinking about it, it could lead to them paying more interest on their mortgage, not putting money away for their future and their retirement, for example. So we see that pop up quite often. Yeah, guilt's a terrible thing, isn't it, that gets in the way sometimes of people making all sorts of what we might see as sensible decisions. Yeah, and, and it's hard. You have to have those those quite in-depth conversations and enable give people permission but sometimes it takes a bit of time and sometimes it requires us as a planner to check in more often have those conversations bit bit by bit but yeah there's definitely the, the these limited beliefs uh, there's plenty of other examples so i would imagine that uh, financial planners must give permission all the time yeah i mean as i said it, it a lot of the time and a big one is around uh the permission to retire because they can afford to. Uh, career change is another one. Uh, worked with a very successful uh, partner at a law firm, doing very well, but um, he, he was unhappy. He wasn't happy doing what he was doing. And we worked incredibly hard on on his financial planning to enable him to to switch career and move into, he's moved into the education sector, he's, he's, he's absolutely loving. Um, and it's been great to see that transition, but absolutely that permission was needed to go do it and it's often from a financial planner the, the way that we can give permission is by cold hard facts is by able to demonstrate that it's affordable to do certain things and it would provide a still a a good financial outcome for them but there's also there tomo the, the authority that you bring as a chartered financial planner that is part of that that's why you are able to give the permission with the information that's where the two things come together i think um 
David, just coming back to the second of your, the two points you made earlier on, you said that permission usually comes from one person and to another person. Uh, and I think that's especially true when we're talking about something physical, but also uh, it could be entering a home, you know, that clearly got to come from one person to another. But permission doesn't always need to come from a third party. Sometimes we need to give ourselves permission to do something. Oh, yeah, I know that one. So so uh, turning again to that interview uh, with Dr. Lara, she raised the issue of comparison, I think, that, that we set our standards from what we see of other people and then we base our permission to do something on whether someone else would or wouldn't do it. Exactly, exactly. And what we see of others is so often an idealised version of their lives. There was a podcast episode where Neil Bage talked about this, a social proof. So... To improve our relationship with money and make better financial decisions, we need to focus on things that make us happy, the know thyself that we talk about all the time. So let's go back to some of the principles of well-being. Living a life with meaning and purpose is a core source of well-being, as is the quality of our social relationships. Mm. I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record on this podcast, I think, probably because my financial planner hat on. Um, you know, when it comes to money, we need a financial plan that gives us a clear path to identifiable objectives. We've talked about those before, with those objectives being the sort of intrinsic motivations that Chris has just described, a life which has meaning and purpose. But a financial plan linked to that helps people to have permission to do this. And also uh, a life that is one that has quality social relationships as well. And how often do financial planners talk about this sort of stuff with their clients? How often would um, somebody listening to this who has a financial advisor who only talks about their investments, how often would they talk about how your money can help engender quality social relationships? But that's where well-being comes from. But there are also enemies of well-being. We know that seeing money as an objective, for example, uh, is the enemy of well-being. And yet we live in a culture that sees success in mainly financial terms. We're surrounded and I would say bombarded with images of success being linked with wealth. So because we constantly have these images of success being money related around us, we, we fail to give ourselves permission to be happy because we're always seeking something else. I think that's absolutely spot on, David. So we can give ourselves permission to be happy by focusing firstly on what we know to be true of everyone. What academics, psychologists, religion, theology, philosophy tells us about happiness, for example. Yeah, and we've also got over 100 episodes of this podcast, as well as your new book that people can also use. ABC, always be closing. <laughs> Love it. Good work, David. And secondly, by understanding what we know to be true of ourselves, the know thyself, which might mean talking to a financial planner, who is experiencing these matters and hopefully having taken coaching training or the financial well-being certificate from the Institute of Financial Wellbeing, for example. Uh, which I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying, Tomo, has both of those things, do you not? Modesty prevents, David. But yes, yeah, yes, yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. For the world is listening, yes, I have those qualities. Um, <laughs> so, so, so maybe I could conclude this episode for a change. Conclude away, mon ami. Okay. I think a great way to give yourself permission to be happy and to get a better relationship with money is, guess what? To get a financial plan. This will give that clear path I mentioned earlier to objectives that are right for you, and we can help you identify those. And then sticking to the plan is a great way of giving yourself permission. I told you, broken record, 
but this is this is really key. Okay, hopefully that's helped you come to a greater understanding of what we mean by permission and it's uh, the way in which it relates to financial well-being. Uh, Chris, was there something else you wanted to add? I, I just want to ask our listeners, many of whom are very knowledgeable in this area, um, not just financial planners, I know we have a lot of financial planners listening, but also <laughs> normal people, uh, but who are interested in psychology or whatever. This is such an interesting area, and I'm not going to profess to say that I feel I've got really under the under into the heart of this. So if anybody's got some comments, I would love to hear them. I would really love people to come and send us an email or come onto our Twitter account and just say, what they think permission means and what their experiences are. I'd love to get more on this. I think, frankly, I think there might be a book in this one day, but I think it's such an interesting area. I'd love to hear what our listeners think. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, we're always happy to hear from you. We do our best to waffle on on these subjects for a half an hour or so, but actually uh, we're always very, very keen to hear from you as well. But for now, that's enough from Chris, from Tomo, from producer Tammy and myself, David Lloyd. And I hope you'll join us again next time for another one of our financial well-being podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. <laughs>